Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 314, the Mark Prudum Seminar from the 2020 Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show, and I am your co-host and the guy who is ready to get this behind us. And I'm your co-host and the guy who is enjoying a wood-burning fire with this nice cold front. You teased me. Well, I'm sick of hearing about it. Oh my god. This is this is like a this is a big, big, huge football game coming up, but it's in politics. It's like the national championship of college football that the two teams have been decided for six months and all the sports writers and commentators and sports shows on the radio and on the internet and on the TV, all they can talk about is that showdown. The showdown is here. Well, by the time the listeners hear this, we'll probably have some clarity, but... Probably not. Yeah, could be. We'll see. I'm, I'm holding to 
the fact that it's going to be an absolute blowout game, even though the commentators believe it's going to be a close match. Well, if you're right and I can go to bed early tomorrow night, that would be good. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's definitely one of the more interesting votes we've had in history, I would say. There could not be a more divided time in the country, I think, other than maybe the Civil War and and ideals and how people feel. (laughs) Well, and you got to wonder, is this the end of the divisiveness or is this part A in a multifaceted, very complex story that we have about to take place? Well, there's no telling what's going to happen. Hopefully the country unites, but in 152 days... Y'all will, won't see me anyway, so I'll be out with the turkeys. <laughs> In 135 days, 10 hours, 12 minutes, and 5 seconds, you won't be able to see me in the state of Alabama. Yeah, I, I think politics are very important, but I have priorities that go above politics in my life, and so I'm going to vote the way that I think is going to further my hobbies and beliefs, but at the end of the day... I'm going turkey hunting. <laughs> Speaking of that, you are going turkey hunting. And probably sooner than many people listening to the show will be going turkey hunting. And the guy telling me about this will also be going turkey hunting. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, we're going to go whack us a couple winter goblas. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not even nervous or you know, concerned about it. Maybe it's because I've already killed in Utah, but I'm looking forward to the trip. I think it's going to be a blast. Yeah, I think the good thing about it is worst case scenario, I'm getting to hang out with you. And without the NWTF convention this year, that was going to be at a premium anyway. Yeah. So worst case scenario, we're going to get to spend some time together, but I'll still get the nervousness and jitters for the both of us, I guess, this time on the turkey hunting part of it. But it's going to be a blast of a trip anyway. It could not be a bad time is all I'm thinking. Can't be a bad time. We're going to be in a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. And from all of the intel that I'm getting on the area that we're going, it's covered up with turkeys so they say you know i've i've heard that song before and showed up and not seen all the turkeys they speak of but i i think this time it's gonna be legit yeah it, it seems like they ought to be there we'll we'll see but i'm holding to the fact that they're gonna be there <laughs> yeah it's gonna be fun i'm it's, i'm really looking forward to the trip yeah so hopefully we'll have some winter audio for you guys it may sound very shivery and teeth chattery because it's going to be cold in february in utah but (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's going to be fun i'm I'm hoping maybe we'll get a warm spell and they'll be give us some mercy on the on the weather but i can't wait to get after them i know that much it's gonna be a fun kickoff to the spring almost for us i may bring a long sleeve shirt and some some boots instead of just sandals yeah i was just just gonna wear my vest (laughs) that's it (laughs) <laughs> no cushion <laughs> the cushion yeah of course <laughs> but the, the vest has the cushion attached so i'll just kind of flip that down that was my whole goal so even though cameron and i are going on this trip together he will be hunting by himself on this trip <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be seen with me 
Uh, well, you're going to a very religious state. That's just the way I'm, I'll just leave it like that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I've listened, you know, I didn't go to Unicoi with you last year, but I've listened to part of this interview that we're about to play for everybody, and this is awesome. I, I think folks are going to really enjoy this one. There's a lot of info in this seminar. And, you know, Mark Prudham, we've never had him on the show directly. This will be the first time that we've had really anything to do with Mark on the show. And, you know, he's somebody we need to track down and get on the show for a real live, sure enough interview. But mm -hmm. the information that you guys are about to get from this seminar is top notch. I mean, this is good, good stuff. And just listening to him, you know, he's... He's very calm in giving the seminar, you know, sharing stories and sharing the information. But he got me amped up and ready to go. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I heard this guy play a trumpet call at the NWTF convention. Oh, that's ridiculous. That, it may be one of the most turkey sounds I've ever heard in my life come from human vocals. It's absolutely ridiculous it, it really is like i i get it everybody's obsessed with some of these people who are diaphragm callers but this dude on a trumpet call is he's, so absurd on turkey sounds he sounds as much like somebody running a diaphragm or a natural voice caller i mean a good natural voice caller he sounds as much like that on a trumpet as anybody i've heard it's unbelievable yeah i would i would be willing to wager if you put a guy with a box call slate call diaphragm call mark prudhomme with a trumpet call and a real hen turkey in the woods i bet him and the hen would sound the most similar in the woods in a natural setting because it's something you haven't heard before yeah i can tell when it's a hunter 99.9 percent .9 of the time on any other call and i usually know what type of call they're calling to me on you know mm-hmm yeah. Like, all right, that guy's using either aluminum or, or glass, you know, pot and peg. I can tell that sound. But Prudhomme on his trumpet is, if I was in the woods, I'd be like, all right, I'm calling to a hint. No doubt. Mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't heard him on it, you need to look up a YouTube video or something. It, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. There's no doubt about it. Well, let's get in and listen to the seminar, and what do you say we play this thing and catch everybody on the other side? Yep, we'll see you guys on the other side. Listen up. All right. All right, I guess I'll go ahead and get started. Um, Mark asked me to do a, a little seminar. Um, he didn't really tell me what to do it on or nothing, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk pretty much about trumpets. I mean, that's my thing. I, of course, have run all different kinds of calls, um, but trumpets are kind of a thing. I know there's it, a lot of what I'm going to talk about pertains to turkey hunting in general, but um, primarily, you know, that's, I'm going to do some trumpet stuff. But um, some of you might not know me or anything, um, so I'll just kind of give you a little background. I've uh, been turkey hunting since we had turkeys. Um, I, I remember when I saw my very first turkey, I was just a little fella, and uh, he got up and flew, and I had no idea that turkeys could even fly. 
I was with my dad and we were squirrel hunting. I was just, I don't know, maybe six, seven years old. But, but right then, I was, I was intrigued by it. I mean, you know, I saw a turkey and it was, it was different. It was like, I'd never seen one before. He flew and, and from that point, I kind of had turkeys in the back of my mind, even though um, we kind of moved around a little bit. My father worked for International Paper, so um, we moved to Georgetown, South Carolina, and uh, we didn't have any turkeys. Now, there was a turkey or two. I remember a, a man killing one on Thanksgiving Day. We were dog driving, and the turkey stepped out, and he shot it with buckshot, and you know that was that was kind of the thing, you know. And then everybody was mad because that's the only turkey that was in the county. <laughs> so you know, if you if you saw a track, everybody get all excited, you know. Um, we slowly, um, I manage a plantation uh, about 3,000 acres, and we were we were fortunate enough to be part of the very first restocking the NWTF and. South Carolina State did in my area. Um, I started off, um, I had heard some older people talking about turkey hunting and it fascinated me and it just so happened, you know, with my situation, it's kind of a long story but I've kind of, I'm a kind of a historian. Georgetown is a very historic place as far as turkey hunting. Um, it was the home of Thomas Samworth, who wrote, he was a book publisher. He worked for the National Rifle Association for years, and he started publishing books, mostly on gunsmithing. Well, Samworth was from Plantersville, which is just a little small farming community outside of Georgetown and on the PD River. And Samworth owned a plantation uh, and published books. And he published, he, he, Archibald Rutledge is from there also, right across the Santee River. A lot of you might not have heard Archibald Rutledge was a, a writer and poet, but wrote a lot of stories about turkey hunting and, and deer hunting and stuff, but turkey primarily. He had a call named Miss Seduction. Um, very rare, you can, some people may have never seen one. Um, but he asked Archibald Rutledge to write a book about turkey hunting because at the time there was very few, if any, um, I think Turpin had written a book and um, McElhenney, you know, who, who wrote Jordan's, actually Jordan wrote the book, McElhenney published it after his death. And um, so Samworth wanted a book about that. Um, he contacted Rutledge. Rutledge gave him a book and it wasn't anything what he wanted. He said, this isn't what I want. This is a bunch of, you know, stories. Um, he said, I want a How to Turkey Hunt book from the start to finish. So there was a lawyer out of Florence, South Carolina uh, named Henry Davis. Henry Davis, and I know I'm, I'm probably telling y'all stay. I want to hear about killing turkeys, but just giving you a little background. But Henry Davis wrote this book, probably one of the greatest books has ever been written on the wild turkey, the American wild turkey. Sam Worth published it. Davis hunted in Georgetown. Rutledge hunted in Georgetown and the Francis Marion National Forest as well as Davis. Davis says, and I know this isn't 100% accurate, but Davis says that the truest strain of American wild turkey was in the Francis Marion National Forest in the 30s and 40s. There weren't any, many turkeys anywhere else. 
but that little pocket and it's just so remote and so swampy and water everywhere that that they were able to survive in that area well um, when I was a kid uh, a friend of mine was a game warden and he he knew Sam Worth personally he knew you know all the stories and everything and and I would listen to all this stuff and it, it fascinated me I never got to meet Mr. Sam Worth he died um, kind of before I really knew what was going on but um, a lot of people in my area knew him and talked about him and, and that kind of thing. So I started, I got real interested in it and I started reading uh, Davis's, you know, they came out with a reprint of the book and I read everything I could get my hands on and talked to some of the old timers who, who um, you know, knew him and, and knew Sam Worth and that kind of thing. So I went to college and just so happened my advisor was the head of the library. And the librarian asked me, he said, you're from Georgetown. I said, yeah. He said, you ever heard of Thomas Samworth? And I said, absolutely. I, I know all about him. And he, um, I said, he published one of the best books I've ever seen, The American Wild Turkey. And uh, I said, do you have one? And he said, you want to see it? And I said, I would love to. He had an original copy signed by Thomas Samworth, and they had donated it to the library, and they kept it in a climate-controlled room. And he said, anytime you want to look at it, you let me know. Well, I spent my first year in college in, in the American Wild Turkey book instead of school books. So I read and looked at everything. Well, we didn't have a season in my county, so I had to go to Charleston and I hunted in the Francis Marion Forest. And I stumbled around and I, you know, I, I, I read the book and I talked to old timers and my dad had never killed with a turkey or two in his life and he wasn't an expert. So I took all this stuff in and I listened to what they had to say and, and, and stumbled through the Francis Marion National Forest, got my feet wet and uh, lost and everything else and I finally started killing turkeys. And um, I'm pretty proud that I got in there and hunted in probably one of the most pristine places that there was at the time. Plus, it was one of the toughest places because of a lot of pressures, public. Um, most of the the old timers in there, you know, they they wouldn't tell you anything. They wouldn't share where they hunted. They wouldn't tell you anything. So I finally figured out. I made friends with a a biologist who was the state biologist, Dave Bauman. He wouldn't tell me a whole lot, but he told me. He said, he said, go to the water. So I, everywhere there was water, I'd go and I'd end up killing turkeys and and um, got pretty good at killing turkeys and calling turkeys. And somebody says, hey, they're having a contest in Columbia you ought to go get in it and I said well shoot I didn't kill a truckload of turkeys I, I'll go up there and win that thing and I went to Columbia and it just so happened I didn't realize it was not only the South Carolina State but it was the, the world friction contest well I get there there's Walter Parrott, Matt Moret, Chris Parrish I mean everybody you can think of in the world of turkey calling at that time and I started getting a little nervous. I said, oh, I don't know about this. So I got on stage and I probably got, had the lowest score of anybody in the history of the contest. And I was, I, I had to be dead last. I didn't check the scores, I just left. I said, well, I didn't win nothing. But I was determined, I said, you know, I, I, I thought I was, I thought I knew more about this. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've killed a lot of turkeys, but I didn't really, 
study the language. So I took a little time off, probably probably two years, and I, I studied Turkey language and listened and practiced and worked and got to where, you know, I was finding the right call for me and that kind of thing. Mostly diaphragm calls. And um, I came back and I ended up that, like maybe two years later, I ended up sixth. And I said, well, I'm making some progress. So every year I kept going back. It was the only contest I would call in was the South Carolina State, which just so happened uh, the guy that had won the world in 1981 competed in every year. I mean, I was competing against the best in the, in the nation right there in South Carolina. So I ended up getting better and better and I finally won it. I said, well, I've, you know, I'm, my dream has come true. I won the South Carolina State. And then somebody says, we ought to go to the to the Grand American in Georgia. So I said, well, okay. I went down there and everybody said, man, I mean, Preston Pittman was there, um, every, Steve Stoltz, everybody that was anybody there again. And I ended up fifth. And I said, man, I, I might be on to something. So I started competing more and more and I got more into it and, and uh, kind of make a long story short, um, I kind of got obsessed with the language of the wild turkey. Now, there are turkey callers, there's competition callers that I'm sure haven't killed five turkeys in their life. And there's hunters who would never win a competition that have killed many turkeys in their life. I, I've always thought that combining the two, if, if a good woodsman with good calling would be the perfect combination. So that's kind of what my, my goal was. So I was hoping that I could get better and better and ended up um, doing pretty well. I ended up winning. Um, I, I'd get real nervous. When I'd go to the Grand Nationals, there was 2,000 people in the audience. I'd get so nervous. Uh, I saw everybody was drinking water. And I was like, well, I'm going to take me some water up there because my mouth would get dry. I got up there and took a cup of water, which was a big mistake. I took a cup of water and I set it down there and I made my first call. And I mean, I looked out there and there was, I'm telling you, there's 2,000 people, TV cameras, all this stuff. I said, well, I got to get some water. I went over there and I picked that cup up and I couldn't drink it and I couldn't set it down. I was like, I mean, it was, it was bad. So I finally, finally got it set down and I, I finished my calls and I ended up, I made the cut and I ended up in the, I think maybe the top 10, which was, you know, I couldn't believe. So I kept going back and I finally ended up winning um, in, um, two-man, Al Hooten, uh, everything. I finally ended up winning 17 Grand National Championships, um, eight World Championships, including Goblin, Al Hooten, and um, and then I, I, I won, and I kind of, I'm diversified. I'm a big duck hunter. I've, I've blown in the World Duck Calling Contest, um, won elk calling contests, all this stuff. I'm kind of obsessed with animal sounds. My wife says I'm crazy, but that, that's, that's who I am. And um, a, a, few, a few years went by and um, I was using a diaphragm call. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see any reason to use any other call because it, it had been working for me. And, um, but I mean, you know, like everybody, I had turkeys hanging up on me. I had turkeys that would gobble and wouldn't come. And um, so I started running different kinds of calls. And my buddy, Kerry Terrell said, you need a trumpet call. He said, you'd be surprised, a trumpet call. It, it, it's unbelievable what, how turkeys respond to it. 
so I did and uh, there again I started from scratch I, I was terrible I couldn't run it and um, I said well I ain't gonna let it whip me I kept fooling with it kept fooling with it and uh, and really until I started making my own trumpets where I could kind of control the way I call and the way I call is a little bit different I met Mr. Zach Farmer um, and 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 he he gave me a lot of tips and and uh, we became friends and got to hunt with him and killed turkey and and um, that was pretty pretty neat the way to watch him and listen to him call. So I, I did my best to try to learn the way he called and and he he helped me with that and uh, so I started making my own trumpets and and um, that's where I'm at today. Um, the the main thing I guess about a trumpet that to me is the realism uh, I'm really big on realism I mean you can sound kinda like a turkey and kill a turkey but I, I want to try to sound exactly like a turkey as, as well as everybody should it doesn't matter what kind of call um, realism is the key if you can if you can make a turkey believe that you're another turkey then I think that that is probably the the most important thing and the only way you're going to get to that point is listening to real wild turkeys you can hear me call you can listen to me talk or anybody you can go in that exhibit hall and hear 500 calls at one time but until you hear real wild turkeys and you really study and say not only and I learned my friend Denny Golvis helped me a lot with this he's like what is the turkey saying what is he is they're communicating when they talk so what is what what is the conversation it's between two turkeys or it's one turkey calling to another turkey they're saying something he said you need to learn what they're saying why they're saying it and take it from there so I really started recording a lot of real wild turkeys and listening and and um, there again, I think it stepped me up a, a whole lot more because I feel like now that I'm not just calling a turkey, I'm, I'm in a conversation with that turkey and I'm trying to tell that turkey or, you know, communicate. So when, when you're communicating with, with a wild animal and you're trying to make them think that you're a wild animal, then, you know, it, it's so important to sound as real as you can. Now, I understand that there are, you know, so many different variations. I've heard hens that sound terrible. I've heard hens that are clear. I've heard hens that are raspy. I've heard hens that, that might do two notes. They might do 30 notes. Some of that is what they're trying to say. Other parts of that are, are just as varied as we are. Some people have a deep voice, some people don't. Um, young turkeys may have a higher pitched voice. You know, older, you know, gobblers sound different than jakes, and jakes are different than hens. So learning the differences and learning to communicate makes all the difference. Um, listening to wild turkeys. Um, and un trying to break down and, and watching them as well you know when you when you see and hear at the same time you see other turkeys respond to this turkey that might be calling it gives you a whole nother perspective and a lot of that um, to be honest with you doesn't come from hunting because how many times I know everybody that's 
been turkey hunting very long has probably got out of your truck, walked, sat down, maybe just tree call, turkey fly down, you kill him, you, you know, go get him, you go to Waffle House and you go home, you know what I mean? You, you really didn't, I'm not saying you didn't learn anything, but I mean sometimes it can happen quick, sometimes it takes you all day, but if you go when you're not hunting, when you're no anticipation of shooting a bird or anything like that, and you just go and and be a part, and you know, not dominate the woods, not be the loudest one in the woods, but go out there and just sit down, if nothing else, watch this turkey calling, watch this turkey react to it, see what they do. They come together, do they fight, do they go along and go the same direction. There's so many different variables and so many things that turkeys do. Um, one thing that I believe in, too, is sounding like more than one turkey. Now, I know it's, it's sometimes hard with a call of any kind to, to do one turkey and be accurate and be, you know, okay, I got it. And you're one turkey. Well, learning how to sound like multiple turkeys is so much more effective. And think about this. Um, you got decoys. A lot of people use decoys now. Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I, I prefer not to use them, but I, I'm not going to say that I don't use them. They're very effective. But you put you put a couple decoys out there. You put a Jake decoy. You put a hen. You put a strutter out there. Well, why would you not want to sound like each one of those? You're given a visual of of three different turkeys right there. Well, suppose you're in a thick place. Wouldn't you want to sound like three if they can't see your decoys? and you got a hen and a jake. Well, what you're doing is you're playing on the jealousy factor. You expect that turkey to come out there and see that hen and hear that hen and see that jake and say, oh no, he's in my territory and come running up there to fight and that's when you shoot him. Well, suppose you can't get a decoy out, you're in a field. Suppose you get there and it's thick, he's in a thicket and you can't see him, you need to get him out. You need a way to portray that same situation without the visual. And that's where sounding like maybe two different hens, sounding like uh, a, a hen flying down, um, one on the ground, one in the tree still, um, a jake, different things. I, ha I can't tell you how many times people, I gobble at turkeys do it all the time. It's, it works for me. Now I don't recommend that on public land and and all that kind of stuff. You have to be real careful but hunting on private land um, gobbling has been very effective and people say well you know why would you gobble at one? Well why would you put a strutting decoy out? It's no different. If you got a strutting decoy out there you're expecting that gobbler to come to a gobbler. If he can't see, why would you not want to gobble and do, you're doing the same thing? You're just giving him the audio, not the visual. So that's some things that I try to do to, to keep in mind. I'm going to paint a picture. When, you know, when I was calling for judges, I want to paint a picture for that judge. And I want him to say, you know, okay, I understand what he's doing. That, that's, that's a hen turkey and she's lost. Okay. 
Well, yeah, I want to do the same thing to a gobbler. Or if I'm fall hunting, a hen or, or a jake or whatever you want to shoot. Whatever's legal, you know, where you hunt. So I think it's important to learn no matter what kind of call you're using. All right. That is all that we've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of the seminar with Mark Prudham from the 2020 Unicoi Custom Turkey Call Maker Show in Georgia, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Or you can do what Cameron's going to tell us how to do. Cameron? If you do not want to subscribe yet, although you should, I'll just go ahead and tell you flat out you should. But if you want the rest of this long, intricate, very good, story-filled, info-filled, packed episode, and you only want to hear Mark Prudhomme's information for the remainder of this episode, you can go to our website, turkeyhunterpodcast.com or iamturkeyhunting.com and find this episode followed by the letters PS. That stands for Premium Single. You'll pay $1. It'll unlock this entire hour and a half to however long episode it is, and you'll have all the premium content for this one episode. You can do that for our past episodes that have PS after them as well, or you can step it on up and become a member of the Turkey Hunting Podcast community, which, Andy, how would one do that? The way to do that is to text the word, and I'm going to give you two words, but make it one when you text it now, no spaces, Turkey Hunter. Text that to the number 44222. After you do that, eventually I'm going to text you a link that you can click on to create your username and password on the Podbean application and pay the $18 per year subscription for the Turkey Hunter Podcast premium content. Your 18 bucks is going to get you not only the rest of this week's seminar with Mark Prudham, but it will get you all of the premium content for all of our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. And you can do that for 18 measly little dollars. And I don't think you're going to be disappointed with an $18 investment for all of the content that you're going to get. So go ahead, sink the 18 bucks into the annual premium content subscription and smile and tell everybody you're a premium content subscriber. That was a lot of good info and yeah. just really good stories. You know, again, he was just very matter of fact, very nonchalant in the whole presentation, but it's gotten me worked up to a frenzy and I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go kill something. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it it has that effect when you listen to a good turkey hunter telling stories and stuff like that. It just, you can feed off of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's how that was. He, he's just, he seems like a guy I would want to share turkey camp with, you know? Full yeah. of stories, calm, collected, seemed like he'd be an easy guy to get along with, and full of good stories and, and info regarding the wild turkey. Yeah, and I enjoyed his stories about the competition calling yeah you know, and and just kind of hearing him work through that timeline of hey you know you should go and compete okay yeah that sounds good and then going and competing and getting his hat handed to him 
the first time he competed in South Carolina and then, you know, taking a couple of years off to really study the language, really learn the intricacies of turkey talk and so on and so forth, and then going back and working his way up and actually, you know, a few years later, winning the state championship and then moving on. And, you know, to me, that's just, that's fun. And I guess, you know, because I know a lot of those old school competition callers, the Chris Parrishes, the Preston Pittmans, the Eddie Salters, you know, and, and just knowing those guys and knowing that, yeah, they're competitors and yeah, they're killers. They want to go kill a turkey, but they're still a lot like Mark in the respect that one-on-one, they're as laid back and as much like your next door neighbor as anybody. Yeah. You know, they're just ordinary guys and none of this has gotten to their heads and and for good reason. I mean, it's just turkey calling. Yeah. It's not like they've gone out and won the Super Bowl or become president of the United States, but they just love everything about the sport like you and I do Cameron and 95% of the people who listen to this show and it just makes it fun listening to those guys and so anyway I I just I thoroughly enjoyed that seminar and hopefully Mark Sharp will get some guys lined up at Unicoi for this year to do some seminars and the change in the format of that Unicoi custom turkey call maker show won't really change a whole lot because of COVID. So hopefully he can get that put together and we can get some more good seminars and some good information from the show this coming year. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I really enjoyed that one. So if there's lots of content like that, I know that's going to be another fun show. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. So speaking of all that, I've got a favor of the week for this week. Let's hear it. So my favor for the week this week is to go on Facebook and type in Mark Prudum in the search bar. M-A-R-K-P-R-U-D-H-O-M-M-E. And I want you guys to tag Mark Prudum in a post that says something to the extent of, hey, just listen to the Turkey Hunter podcast episode with the Mark Prudum seminar from the 2020 Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show and would love to hear more of Mark on the Turkey Hunter podcast. Just think, if you were Mark Prudum and four, five, 10, 15 posts showed up on your Facebook page that mentioned, hey, I would love to hear more of you on the Turkey Hunter podcast, if that showed up and then you got a phone call from Cameron or from me or a message on Facebook or Instagram from Cameron or me, you'd be pretty likely to say, yeah, man, let's do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then we can pick Mark's brain a little bit more and get more stories from Mark. That'd be fun. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, Cameron, (laughs) we could trick him into running a trumpet for us. Oh, man. That would be quite the treat. Yes, indeed. So... That's the favor for the week this week. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. So you want to wrap this thing up? Let's wrap it up. Okay. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to 
the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.